Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ISO Review Podcast, the production of Simplify ISO. The ISO Review Podcast shares the latest international standards development and is your resource for getting the most out of your management systems. Hello, I'm Howard Fox, business coach and host of the Success Insight Podcast, and I'm joined by Jim Moran, ISO management system professional, celebrating his 31st year delivering ISO support. Jim, as usual, it's so great to see you again on the ISO Review Podcast. How are you? I am fine. Thanks for asking, Howard. And it is so great to be here. And we're a couple more, we have a couple more episodes and we'll have everybody up to date on everything they need to know about information security when it comes to the supply chain. So thanks for Thanks for hosting these for us, Howard, and I'm hoping our listeners are really enjoying these. I definitely think they're enjoying it because your numbers are uh, of listeners for every episode is, it definitely, is, there's some continuous spikes. And so yeah. we know that uh, these episodes are resonating. Whatever you're doing, Jim, you're doing well. Well, and thanks to our listeners who continue to tune in and uh, take a look at what's going on. And we just a reminder, we. We'd certainly love any questions or comments you might have any time along the way as well. Definitely that. Uh, how are we going to continue this conversation today on the supplier relationship requirements? Well, just a refresh for some of our listeners and maybe an enticement for the ones who didn't hear the earlier ones. We started out in section seven. And just a reminder that this is ISO 27036 part two. From 2022 so it's nicely freshly minted we started with the supplier relationship planning process then we went on to the supplier selection process then we talked about the supplier relationship agreement process that was that's actually the contract different name for the contract and today howard we're going to be talking about managing process for managing the relationship most relationships go humming along no matter what but in the in the case of information security and the supply chain it's definitely a good idea to to actually create a process to to manage the supply chain relationships in your world and like any process, it starts with an objective. That's clause 7.4.1. Then we'll be going on to 7.4.2 inputs, 7.4.3 activities, and 7.4.4 outputs. Just like any process, Howard, input, process, output. And any the process approach is a great way to keep your business activities humming along the way you like. And then, of course, to finish this whole section off, in the next podcast, we'll be talking about what to do if things don't go well, and we'll be outlining a title called the Supplier Relationship Termination Process. We might even have some tips in there for re personal relationships on how to terminate them. <laughs> okay. You, you just never know. So we'll start out today by talking about the objectives Every process has to have an objective. If it doesn't have an objective, you have to ask yourself, well, why are we doing this? So in the case of the objectives, there's two parts. The buyer, you perhaps, or supplier, if that happens. The buyer is the acquirer. 
And it's critical to maintain information security during the whole execution of the contract with your supplier. And keeping in things like the transition to what it's been previously operated, things like, or, or if the acquirer, you have had experience with different suppliers, moving your business from one supplier to another requires special attention just so that information doesn't go astray. That's for sure. And, and this involves people. So you definitely need training. One of the objectives would be to train people on the information security requirements in the contract with the supplier. And then of course, like many standards, 9.9001, for example, clause 6.3, managing changes because everything's pretty st uh, steady, steady, standard, harmonious, Howard, when things are running along smoothly, it's when a change happens that weaknesses can occur and information could be compromised for whatever reason. Then another thing in the objective section of, for the acquirer is to make sure that you, as the buyer acquirer, are monitoring and enforcing the supplier's activities and monitoring and enforcing compliance to make sure they're behaving the way they're supposed to. So that's your side of the bargain. So now the people you're buying from, the suppliers, uh, they need to maintain information security during the whole period of the contract and make sure that they're supporting you, the customer, in the transition of the product or service uh, when it's been previously operated or manufactured by a different supplier. Same kind of idea. So if you're purchasing from a new supplier, make sure you pay special attention to the transition from your original supplier to the new supplier to make sure the original supplier isn't going to cause any issues when it comes to uh, information security. It's everywhere. Information is everywhere, Howard. And if we don't pay attention to it, it can definitely go astray. And of course, you, the, the supplier needs to support the buying company. You, if, if, you're, if you're listening as a buyer, need to support you during the um, change and then afterwards in monitoring and uh, enforcement activities as well. So as I said earlier, any process has an input, it has activities in the middle, and then that creates an output. I think that's the definition of a process, a series of activities that turns inputs into outputs. So the inputs, uh, when we're coming, when we're talking about a, this thing called supplier relationships, uh, the inputs on the buyer side would include things like decisions about who's going to perform the supplier's compliance monitoring and enforcing activities. It might also include previous results of the supplier's compliance monitoring and enforcing activities and check to see if there are any trends. So when you're starting a new relationship with a new supplier, you want to have some kind of baseline to begin with. On the supplier side, the supplier wants to supply results of compliance monitoring and enforcing activities when it comes to information security performed by previous customers or this same customer. It just depends on what the situation is, Howard. If it's a maybe, it could be a re-startup or a, um, a re-engagement with a supplier you had before. 
So you want to check to make sure what kind of relationship you had previously with the supplier before you plow into a new one. So those are the, uh, just kind of the overview, uh, the, the input side. And now if we think about taking these inputs, applying some activities to these inputs, those activities would include things like on the buyer side, making sure that the both parties know what the relationship agreement is stating and, and they fully understand the information security aspects. A lot of times people read words in a contract, Howard. They think they know what they're talking about or what is required of them and required of the other party. But uh, it's, a, it's a really good safeguard to meet face-to-face -face with the supplier in a conversation. Well, it could be by Zoom. But have the two of you having a conversation, the two sides at least, having a conversation about what the words in a contract really mean. If you look up the definition of uh, communication, Howard, it would it'll explain that communication happens when the sender sends a message and the sender, the onus is on the sender, and the sender assures that the message was received and understood the way the sender had intended. By sending an email out, you're sending a message but you're not meeting with the receiver to find out if he or she understood it the way you intended. And that's what's really missing in organizations today is this actual true communication. So when we're thinking about this contract, it's much to your advantage to sit with the supplier, with the contract, go through the contract, take the time. You could take two or three hours at the beginning of this relationship and save two or three months of agony later if things go wrong on the information security side. And if it happens to be a transition from another supplier, make sure that the you have a transition plan created. Remember, plan, do, check, act. Most of our listeners have heard that phrase before. And of course, you want to do this as quickly and expediently as possible. And maybe changing from one supplier to another will actually require a change in the information security techniques that you're using. It might require a change in how you manage incidents as well, security breaches. It's of course important to do training on a regular basis, uh, train personnel that can be involved in the relationship and the execution of the agreement, sad word. But carrying out of the agreement, fulfillment, that's a better word, fulfillment of the agreement. And then just simply managing changes anywhere they occur, your business, uh, financial issues, maybe would change the ownership. Either company could change ownership. And there would even be some uh, uh, extra work you might have to do if the, you and your supplier decide to uh, get together in a joint venture. That's happened hundreds of thousands of times around the world. Uh, locate, location could be a change that's, that either party would make, and that could impact information security as well. When we think back to ISO 27001, Howard, we went through a number of um, clauses in our earlier podcasts, and you probably remember one of the requirements being physical security. So if you're changing buildings, it may, make sure you're reviewing 
the physical security aspect of the new building. All kinds of things can change. Um, business continuity, legal laws can change. We've seen that even since we started this series of podcasts. International laws relevant to information security have changed a little bit. So managing changes is going to put you in much better shape than just hoping things turn out the way you want them to. And of course, any, uh, any changes you make have to be reflected in the agreement. Both parties have to agree. And it's important that everybody knows who's doing what on both sides of the table. And risks can change. Uh, technology changes. Risks can change. And it's important to make everybody aware of any changes that are being made to the information security aspects defined in that contract. Don't assume people will know. Let everybody know directly who's, whoever is involved. And if anything does happen, if there is a security breach, of course, the corrective action methodology that you have in your organization to determine the cause, find the weakness, present some options for re putting new actions in place to prevent recurrence, all that kind of stuff. And, both, and this goes for both sides, both the purchaser and the supplier. So we've talked about the objective, we've talked about inputs, we just finished talking about what the activities are, and of course, getting agreement to any changes in any, all the contract uh, details is important, and you typically want that in writing. So if we've got the objective and the inputs and the activities, what's left are the outputs, and both the acquirer and the supplier, when you're executing the information security activities related to the contract, uh, you want to make sure of a bunch of different things, not the least of which is the risk assessment. We've talked about it in the past. For example, I've often mentioned this concept where if you have a nonconformance occur, or in this case, a security breach occur, first of all, you want to plug the hole as quickly as possible and capture what you did so you can review the effectiveness later. So plug the hole, then look, sit down, take a breath and decide where the weakness lies in your management system, your information security management system. Where does this weakness lie that allowed this to happen? And uh, in the case of information security, Many times it happens or it turns out that somebody in the organization didn't use one of the rules or didn't use it properly. Uh, one of the rules we've talked about in the past, Howard, in Annex A, the controls, I call them rules, but they, they, you'll, see them, you'll see them technically named as, as uh, controls. So someone has misused a control. A couple examples might be clean desk, clean screen. Somebody walks away from their desk without locking their screen. These, these kind of things a little, or you get tricked by a phishing email. Those kind of things can cause problems. So the weakness there might be in training. So when that happens, it, in, to, your, to get some advantage out of the fact that an information security breach has happened, you want to go back and look at the information security risk assessment that you did. And ask yourself, 
Would we have been able to avoid this security breach if we had done a better risk assessment? And don't forget the identifying the risks is the first step. Analyzing the risks is the second step. And the third step is deciding whether it's low, medium, or high. That's the what the word assessment refers to. And then, of course, based on those three steps, you're going to create as an organization a device called a uh, risk treatment. So you can check the risk treatment related to the uh, I- the um, security breach and see if you either you didn't analyze it properly, you didn't have the likelihood set high enough, or you didn't have the consequence set high enough, and it kind of went in under your radar, then see if you need to alter the risk uh, treatment. Another thing to, to to remember is to put a transition plan uh, report in place, transitioning from the current state to the new state. And this way you'll have something in writing that you can assess later, typically in management review clause 9.3 and the history and associated reports that what led up to this, what happened after this, you can review it later, three months, six months, nine months later, whatever. And it, with nothing there, you have no uh, trail of custody, if I could use chain of custody, if I could use that term, you won't have, you'll only have memories and people's opinions to work on. But if you create an information security changes history, then you'll actually have data to analyze rather than just simply opinions. You can replace opinions with data. And of course, the history of the incidents and all the reports with it will tell you what corrections you made and how well they work. Again, those corrections you're making can be an indicator that you want to take a little closer look at your um, assessment, how you decided on the risks related to that kind of information. And um, then based on anything like that that happened, the other another output from the management managing uh, supplier relationships process. Another output can be uh, in a, a change or an updated supplier relationship agreement or supply contract, if you like that phrase better. You also want to protect the approved updated supplier relationship agreement to maintain its traceability and its integrity, uh, as well as availability and confidentiality when it's stored. Every single one of the ISO standards built on the um, harmonized standard model, Howard, all include a clause in section 7.5 about ensuring that any information retained uh, as a result of some activities or result filling in a form, whatever, any uh, documentation that's been retained for evidence or retained as a record uh, must be protected from unintended changes. Sometimes you have to go in and make changes on purpose, hopefully not too often with records, but it does happen. You might find out a machine or a measuring device that was uncalibrated when the measurement was taken, so you want to change the uh, reading to the correct reading, things like that. But de- but basically, once a, a record has been saved, you want to make sure it doesn't get unaltered in an unintended way. 
And then finally, the last part of the relationship management process is to maintain a list of corrective actions with which have been agreed upon by the supplier and the purchaser and uh, some way to note what the current status is. Is this issue, is this uh, breach still unsolved? Is it still open? Has it been solved and we've withdrawn it? Or has it actually been implemented? And of course, after implementation, you want to let it run for a while and check it to see it if it is effective. So that uh, kind of wraps up the management relationship management process, Howard. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, if this process doesn't work well with a particular supplier that you use, then you'll go on to our next topic for the next podcast, the supplier relationship termination process. Da, 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 da. I have to say seven, four supplier relationship management process, very straightforward. The, yes. um, the, the, the objectives, the inputs, activities and outputs and, and the responsibility on each side, the, the buyer, acquirer, and the, the supplier. So. Very straightforward. And the other beauty of this section too is, Howard, you could use this model for every single contract you have with suppliers mm -hmm. because every single supplier that you do business with will be exchanging information with you one way yep. or another. I suppose an exception might be uh, if you're doing the, the, the flower beds in the front of your head office, you have a load of dirt delivered. That's not quite so intense as when you have a design house working for you or an engineering firm and you're trading information back and forth that would be extremely valuable to your competitors. Right. So there, that, that's probably the two ends of that particular spectrum. But nevertheless, small, medium, large. I, and that's the other beauty of um, doing the risk assessment is to say, well, is this a load of dirt or is it a drawing for a secret? new device we have and everything in between. So right. it's, it's all common sense. Like you said, it's pretty plain English. And the concept of course, is to keep you and your suppliers working on an even keel and no surprises, no I secrets. Just no going to say no surprises, no surprises. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Very good. And there you have it. All right. And so next uh, time we get together, we will, uh, Touch on clause 7.5, the supplier relationship termination process. And then we'll, uh, we'll uh, leave it to that episode to also identify what's going to be coming up afterwards as we head into the uh, uh, fourth quarter of 2023. Hard to believe. One. Time flies when you're having fun, Howard. Yes, it does. Jim, just a quick reminder, uh, if our listeners would like to learn more about you, and your work, where are the best places for them to go? Well, if they can remember the name Simplify ISO, Howard, we have a website called simplifyiso.com. And it's been around for a number of years. And on that site, there's, a, first of all, a description, a little description of our software. And the software includes templates for all the things we've been talking about over these episodes. Mm -hmm. And there's a contact page there. Just give me an email. Give me a call. We'll get together and figure out what would be the best for you folks to get yourselves moving ahead. And we have another site called the International Management System Institute. 
that's sort of the beyond ISO model. Like once you've got certified, what do you do next? And there's some courses there for people to become a, a management system professional. And it's imsipro.org. And there are a number of free ISO courses there as well, Howard. Very good. Well, we will provide the backlinks to your Simplify ISO website and to the website of the International Management System Institute. We're also going to provide, uh, because it's valuable as well, uh, a link to your LinkedIn profile, as well as to the articles on LinkedIn that you have published, as well as your YouTube channel. And, uh, and there's one more link you usually add for us, Howard, and that's yeah. the link to uh, Conformance One's free online ISO 27001 dynamic gap analysis checklist. Yes, we do. There it is. I yeah. see it right here. And yeah. it's going to be in there, our show notes, folks. So you'll be able to click in on it on the site and get a, get the checklist that you can download. All right, Jim, good to see you. And go out there, have a fantastic day. And we will see you on another episode. And this, we'll, we'll finish up uh, on this particular uh, topic of uh, ISO 27,036 part two. And thank you, Howard. And if any of our listeners have anything they're curious about and want to drop us a note, or if there are any other related standards that they've heard about and maybe they use in daily use with information security, by all means, send along a suggestion to us. We'll certainly take a look at it. I love it. We will definitely have that. And for our listeners, do go out to Jim's and to the IMS Pro website, and you can use those contact pages to get a hold of, of Jim. And, and he is incredibly serious about if there's some topics you'd like us to cover, if you have questions, uh, those are the locations to go and uh, let Jim know. Because if you haven't figured it out, after all these episodes, Jim is very passionate about this topic. And so it come, hopefully it comes across for everybody uh, in these episodes. As for me, you can find me on uh, my website, foxcoaching.com, and I am also on LinkedIn. We'll provide backlinks there as well. So if you're interested in coaching or podcast services, uh, we can certainly support you as well. Until next time, again, this episode of the ISO Review Podcast is a production of a Simplify ISO. And until next time, go out there, have a fantastic day, and we'll see you on a future episode of the ISO Review Podcast. Take care now.